Do you remember Max Bygrave? Yeah, I suppose that all you are then, wouldn't it? Goodness me. Those people who never know who Max Bygrave is, he's a guy that used to tell, that used to say, I want to tell you this story. Okay, I just want to tell you this story. And it fits in quite interestingly with uh, what's already been said this morning. And that's this. In ancient times, a king had his men place a boulder on a roadway. He then hid in the bushes and watched to see if anyone would move the boulder. Some of the king's wealthiest merchants and courtiers passed by and simply walked around it. Many people blamed the king for not keeping the roads clear. But none of them did anything about getting the stone removed. One day, a peasant came along carrying some vegetables. And upon approaching the boulder, the peasant laid down his burden of vegetables and he tried to push the stone out of the way. After much pushing and straining, he finally managed it. And after the peasant went back to pick up his vegetables, he noticed a purse lying on the road where the boulder had been. The purse contained many gold coins and a note from the king explaining that the gold was for the person who removed the boulder from the road. Now, of course, there's always a moral to these stories, isn't there? And the moral of the story is, of course, that every obstacle that we come across gives us an opportunity to improve our circumstances. And, and while the lazy complain, others are creating opportunities through their kind heart, their generosity and willingness to get things done. Now, we're continuing this week our story, uh, our, our, story our series entitled Jesus and Life, which uh, Tim started last week. You may recall he showed a picture of himself and Becky, Freddie and Joel. Do you remember? Yeah. Uh, looking very happy. And he, he posed this question to us. He said, if we could take a snapshot of our life and the values that we live by, what would that look like? Now, we all, we've all got values here this morning, haven't we? Which have been shaped to a large degree by our upbringing, our family background, uh, our personal experiences, our education, our Western culture our English culture, or even our southern English culture, which is actually different to northern English culture. It's very, very strange. Uh, we have values which are part of our normal everyday life, which um, are fed to us subtly by the government through the laws that they pass, and by the media, by the crowd, and by the trends of the day. All of those things affect us. This is our normality. This is our normality. But let's contrast it to what the Bible encourages us to be in Philippians 2. And this is the scripture that is the basis for this series. Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11. If you want to look it up in your Bibles, it's good. But it says this. It says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow 
on earth and under, he- and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now last week, Tim quoted from John 5 verse 19, which says this. This is Jesus talking about himself. He says, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. So Jesus was dependent upon the father. And last week we were encouraged uh, to be guided daily by God in our, in our walk. And when we communicate in our prayer life with God every day, asking God, what is it you want me to do for you today? So the question for us is, what are my values? Because we've all got our own values, and they, they'll differ. They're general. We've got some general values that we all live by, but there'll be our own values that are strong and part of our own life. What are my values, and how do they reflect Jesus' heart for the world? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 says this. It says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. So, it's important, isn't it, that when we represent Christ, we represent him well. Would you say amen to that? Amen, thank you, right, okay. So today we're going to look at another Christian value, and that is being teachable, or having a teachable spirit. Now, it's good to learn new skills, isn't it? Anybody learned a new skill this year? Yeah, yeah, Becky, what have you learned this year? Oh, okay, so you've learned how to lay a tapio. So how did you do that? How did you learn that skill? YouTube, yeah, brilliant. Okay, YouTube. Anybody else ever used YouTube to improve their skills? Yeah, Tabby, yeah, Carly, Penny, Jane, Maureen, goodness me, everybody. So everybody's using YouTube to improve their skills. It's good. I'm going to say I use YouTube to uh, improve my skills as well. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, I started looking at some food tutorials. Now, I might have told you this, uh, because whenever I cook steak or roast potato, I'm always disappointed in the outcome. You know, sometimes you go somewhere and somebody's roast potatoes are really nice and crispy, and you think, I wish I could do roast potatoes like that. Or, Or the steak, when you go to a steakhouse, I went to a restaurant recently, the steak I had was awful. You just couldn't cut through it. It was chewy and... You know, sometimes when your mouth wears out at the edges, you know, where you've been chewing for so long, that kind of thing. And I looked on YouTube, and I just observed these chefs doing the the steak and the roast potatoes, and I just observed and I followed the instructions. And bingo, I do the same thing every time, and I always get great reviews. Do you know why? My steak and roast potatoes are now legendary. Okay? They are. My family love coming to our house on Sunday because of my roast potatoes, don't they, Carly? (laughs) Okay. But you see, it was all about just that presentation. That presentation on YouTube, I'd done two simple things wrong. It was in the presentation, but it was about the heat. It was about the heat. Both those examples were about heat and how I used heat. It's like maths. Who likes maths? Well, some people like maths. Not everybody likes maths. But the thing is with maths, if you apply the correct principles, no matter what the numbers are, you always get the right answers. 
But of course, we're all happy, aren't we, to learn about things that we want to learn about to improve ourselves. But actually, what distinguishes a teachable spirit from an unteachable spirit? It's not the willingness to learn things for our pleasure and benefit, but rather it's the willingness to learn what we need to learn. And even if it's unpleasant or seems unnecessary, that's a teachable spirit. It's like the baby eagle that's in the uh, nest. It doesn't enjoy the experience of being shoved out of the nest by its mother in that terrible fall, but that's the only way it's going to learn how to fly. And so the mother, in her love for the eaglet, just nudges him over the edge of the nest. We don't like that type of teachable thing, do we? <laughs> that's a bit scary, isn't it? Psalm 25, verse 8 says this. It says, he leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast, love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. How great it is, wouldn't it be to be as we are and should be a friend of Jesus. Someone that you can just go to and talk to and share life with. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Firstly, in, in this passage, Psalm 25 it's interesting that he picks up the word humble. He leads the humble in what is right. And it takes the same theme, if you remember, as our earlier passage in Philippians 2, where Jesus humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant, being made in human likeness and subjecting himself to death on the cross for our salvation. So being teachable recognizes that we're willing to learn and take instruction despite how important we may feel, because sometimes we can feel important, and also how experienced we are. We can be very experienced, but we can always learn something new. Being teachable, or sorry, to be unteachable, assumes that we know everything, our opinion is always right, You've only got to look at our government at the moment. Under goodness me, are we a, an opinionated bunch of people? Goodness me, what is going on with our parliament and our government at the moment? Our opinion is always right. It also it causes us to tune out instructions as if they don't apply to us. It's when we're unteachable. And also, we start making, making excuses for our behaviour and our attitudes. We were determined, haven't we, that the leopard never changes his spots. Is that true? Physically, you can't change it. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Can you? Maybe not an old dog, but I cast myself as an old dog, and I can still learn some new tricks. Can you do, you, do you believe that you can still learn new things? Absolutely. So is it true 
But whilst we may not be able to change our appearance, we can change our attitude and the way we approach things. I, I don't know about you, but I realize the older I get, the less I know. Uh, and it's important to adapt to changes as they're, as they're happening because um, if you don't adapt to changes, you, you, you can suddenly find yourself floundering in a world that you don't understand anymore. So when it comes to learning, we learn from our experiences, don't we? We learn from life's events, things that happen to us, but they're not all good learning. We learn from observing others. You know, I'm not very good at bowling. However, I can generally see before the ball leaves someone's arm whether it's going to go down the gully or not. Because if you stand behind someone and you see the way that their body is placed, you know as soon as they're going to do it, it's going to go down the gully. So I can actually coach someone to get a strike. But it doesn't necessarily mean I can get a strike myself every time. And I'm no good at bowling, but we can still coach people. So think about that for a minute. We learn from pain. When my Richard was a little boy, he was in the car and uh, when I wasn't looking, he, he put the cigarette lighter in and then took it out and put it on his lip. And he had a little, you know, little mark around his lip where he'd like kissed the lighter red hot. And he cried. He never did it again. Strangely enough. And we learn, don't we, from pain. We can learn from coercion. I was at the top of a slide in Spain when we were on holiday. One of these big drop slides, you know, that comes down and goes off into to the distance. One where you, you look at the front and you think, well, I'm not sure I, I want to do this. After all, now I've got up here. But Chloe was in front of me. She was a little girl. And um, sometimes we have to learn by coercion, don't we? And you see, she was there, and she was in front of me. I said, well, you've got to go down now, Chloe. And she said, well, oh, I don't want to go down. I said, well, you've got to go, because there's a, there's a queue behind us, and the queue was <laughs> building up. And so uh, in the end, it got a bit embarrassing. Chloe just went like that. <laughs> you learn by coercion. And you could hear the screams as Chloe fell down this drop slide. But what did she do when she got to the bottom? She got straight up and came back up. Because it would have been an exhilarating experience, very scary, but exhilarating, and she wanted to do it again. Please don't take these as me being a bad parent, by the way, or anything. <laughs> we also learn by fear, don't we? Fear sometimes has to be exposed so that we can confront it. Not all fear is bad. It's very often in the scary place that God reveals himself most. I think we probably will know that from many of our own experiences. We all have the opportunity to learn, but the question is, are we willing to learn? Being teachable is not about our ability to learn. It's about an attitude of heart. Um, how frustrated do you get sometimes when you, somebody asks you for advice, you give them the advice, and they don't do anything about it? And so they carry on doing the same things as they did before. And strange enough, they get the same results. It's frustrating, isn't it? And when you take, sometimes you know, when we've worked in the church with people who have been addicted or had addiction problems, stuff like that, you work with them and you say, yeah, they're getting there, they're getting there, they're getting there, and they go back. And it's so sad. It's so sad. 
on one occasion, I, I went to see an estate agent with my boss. This was a few years ago. And he, he, he used to sell hotels. And in this job of selling hotels, the market had completely changed. But he was still doing things the same way. And uh, he hadn't sold a hotel for 12 months. And every day he got up and he did exactly the same things he did before. And we were trying to have this discussion with him about, well, maybe you ought to change the way you, you're approaching this. Maybe, the, you know, the market's changed now. You need to perhaps do things differently. And, and, and he was justifying all the reasons why he was doing the things he was doing and all the rest of it. In the end, my boss, I remember, got a little booklet out the back of his pocket. And the booklet's called Who Moved My Cheese? Anybody read that book? Who Moved My Cheese? Things are different now. I can't do things the way I used to do them. And it's about, a, it's about a mouse and how he goes to try and find his cheese in the same place every day. But suddenly the cheese is not there anymore because he's eaten it all. And he still goes back to the same room every day and tries to find the cheese. And it's about finding new cheese. That was what the, the moral of the story was about. And the guy was a little bit, he was very unteachable. Very unteachable. But he did read the book. I don't know whether he did anything about it, but it was an interesting discussion. Now, we have much to learn if we, to, we are to have the same mindset as Jesus. The gospel of grace, it is countercultural, isn't it? It's seriously countercultural. Much of our learning, much of our learning needs to be unlearned, actually, because it's contrary to the gospel. Uh, when I was preparing for today, I did a little bit of research on what it is to be British. What are the values of a British person? Sorry, those people who say not British today. I did look at French actually as well, but I, I haven't I haven't got the whole thing. Oh yeah, you see, I just said yeah. I'm so good at offending you every time I come to church. I think, <laughs> am I? <laughs> what it's like to be British? Okay. British values are supposed to be among some of the best in the world. Did you know that? <laughs> These values are grouped into five areas and defined by our government as democracy, individual liberty, the rule of law, mutual respect, and tolerance of those with different faiths and beliefs. The character of a British person is generally defined as stubborn, Stoical, you feeling this? Indignant at justice, uh, sorry, at injustice. <laughs> Rudyard Kip Kipling once wrote, the Saxon, meaning obviously Anglo-Saxon, English people, never means anything seriously until he talks about justice and what's right. We are those with a stiff upper lip. We're proud, we're opinionated, and we're independent. We're not good at accepting help from others. We're British. But these are not good characteristics, are they? When you're a child of God, these are not good characteristics. And because we have a desire for justice and right, we can struggle with a few things. And these are just a few of the things I think we can struggle with. When we see the Pharisees and Roman soldiers 
crucifying Jesus, we think they're villains, don't we? We think they're evil. And our core for justice says that they deserve everything that's coming to them. And yet Jesus from the cross says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness is a difficult thing for us. It's, it, it's a difficult thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of those areas which moves into the unteachable, potentially. Colossians 3 verse 13 says, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive others. It's the must bit. Not you may or you could, but you must. It's a command. It's not an option. Uh, This is where you know if you have a teachable spirit or not. Particularly if you've really been damaged or hurt in a relationship or whatever. It's not about who's at fault. We were all at fault. But Christ died for us anyway. And this is the the bit that we've got to try and learn about forgiveness. We follow Christ's example. That as he died and gave his life for us, so we must forgive others as he forgave us. Another one is compassion. Sometimes, in the same way, we find it hard because of our stoical way and our way that we look at justice and now we should, you know, everything should be done in the right way. Sometimes we find it hard to have compassion on people, particularly those who make bad decisions or have different values or live a sinful life. One of the things I got out of West Point this year um, in the preaching there is that we have to follow Jesus and show compassion because sin is a tyrant and people are victims. Sin is a tyrant and people are victims. So we should have a compassion on people who are lost in sin because sin is a tyrant. Sin is a tyrant and people are victims of their sinful lifestyle. We've received grace and therefore we must be advocates of grace. Nobody is beyond redemption. All people are valued in his sight. The other thing I think we need to adopt and sometimes we're not very good at because we like to moan, don't we? British people do like to moan. (laughs) They moan about everything. In our culture, I think sometimes we can feel entitled. We can find ourselves dissatisfied and negative, which plays out in us moaning or feeling sorry for ourselves. Our dreams have not been realized and disappointment has taken hold. But the mindset of the Christian is that in everything we're to give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, gratefulness changes our perspective on the world. I read something about gratefulness. You know, I I used to be... I used to hate getting up to work every morning. I had to get myself into a position where I said, thank you, God, for my job. At least I've got one. That's how it used to feel sometimes. I've got a job. Thank you, Lord, rather than moaning about how I didn't want to be there anymore and all the rest of it. I had to get a different attitude, becoming grateful. Think about a different skin 
on what you're going through right now. If you're in a financial situation which is bad, what, what can you be grateful for? What has God given you that you can be grateful for? If life doesn't seem to be going well, what can you be grateful for? As we come to prayer, and I, I thank you so much, those guys that um, involved in the meeting this morning and just gave and brought faithfully some of those words. Because when we come to prayer, I think there's a theme going on here this morning, that there's some things we need to sort out in here. That's me as well. And as we come to prayer, there's going to be areas of our life which the Holy Spirit has put his finger on and which we probably will consider off limits. We don't, we just don't really want to go there. You know what I mean? Things that are off limits when it comes to being teachable. It's nice the boulder. Do you remember the boulder that Ricky read about at the beginning? Uh, we can walk around it and avoid it, or we can start the process of removing it. The reason God wants us to be teachable as people is that he wants us to benefit from an abundant life. That's all he wants for us. Jesus never came into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to give us an abundant life and to be beneficiaries of his hope and his promises. That's what he wants for us. And that's why he takes us down some of these avenues to test us and to see whether we can be teachable. The Bible says in Psalm 1, it says this, it says, blessed, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree which is planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaves never wither and all that he does prospers. Oh, we love that verse, don't we? But there has to be something for us to get to that life. And sometimes we have to say, Lord, I open myself to you. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, even though it hurts sometimes, teach me to have a teachable spirit and to learn from you so that we can be effective as Christians, that we can be compassionate to people, that we can forgive as Jesus forgave, that we can be grateful for all his promises and the good things that he's done for us. As I was preparing this this morning, well, this morning, yesterday and today, the verse came up on my phone from 100, uh, Psalm 143, verse 10. Do you know what it said? It says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. That's a great verse, isn't it? Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. We want to be on level ground, and we realize sometimes that there are things which are boulders in the way, which are, are very often of our own making, and and you know, when we come to prayer, I would encourage you, just be open. Just be open. Lord, what is it? What is it? There's something that stops me just having that right relationship with you. Be humble and recognize that we do need to be teachable. There's no point in being unteachable because you'll never get anywhere by being unteachable. And 
focus on the one thing that God is speaking to us about. You know, we've had some prophetic words this morning. I don't think it's a coincidence that those words came this morning when, as and when they did. So as we come to prayer, let's be open, let's be humble, and anticipate a need to change in our lives. Don't focus on hundreds of things, because we all know there's hundreds of things that we need to change. Focus on the one thing. Because, you know, a, what is it, a, a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step, doesn't it? One of the things I learned from uh, West Point last week, and I just wanted to uh, leave with you now just as we come to prayer, is that crisis is normal for the disciple of Jesus. Crisis is normal for the disciple of Jesus. Sortedness is not a fruit of the Spirit. Isn't it? Being sorted is not a fruit of the Spirit. Let's stand, shall we, as we, as we just pray. I'm just going to pray. But also, uh, it would be good this morning if we've got specific issues that Holy Spirit is pointing at something. You know, I, as I was preparing this, the Holy Spirit was talking to me all the way through this. And saying, David, what about that? And what about this? You know, I'm gonna, I just want to tell you a, a horrible story. I want to tell you it because my brother shared this with me last week. I don't know why I'm sharing it, really. I'm just going to share it. I just feel it, it just puts a perspective on it. A lady came into the church. She was homeless last week. And while she was in the service, she messed herself. And then she got up. And, you know, uh, whilst the people tried to help her, uh, she left. And the whole place was just a mess and smelly and horrible. And nobody likes to hear stories like that, do they? You know what my brother said to me? He said, David said it was it was it was horrible, but it was kind of it, it, it was funny in a in a, an unusual way because he said I'd never been to church before and that happened. That's one and he's been in church for sixty odd years, never seen that happen, never had had to, to experience that before. But he said, In that, God said to me, Philip, your sin isn't quite right. Wow. And I just sometimes think you know, there are things in our lives that we have to just put right. And he, he felt he had to go to God and put something right. And, and this morning as we come, we want to be ambassadors, great ambassadors for Jesus, don't we? Don't we? I do. And I know there's some stuff that actually I don't really do. I want to change. Not, not really. But I know if I want to advance, I need to. I need to. And that's what having a teachable spirit is this morning. So let us have a teachable spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray this morning that you would just come and put your finger on that place in our life which hinders us, which hinders us from receiving the blessing that you want for us as a fellowship. Lord God, that one thing maybe that we know in our heart we need to bring to you and say, Lord, help us with that. Help us to be the people that you want us to be. Holy Spirit, come. Let's just pause for a minute and allow the Holy Spirit to speak.
to your will. And don't let me fall down backwards again. Help us, Lord, with the kingdom. Help us, Lord, with our own values. Help us to unlearn those things that we've learned which have not been true. That stand contrary to your laws and your ways, Lord. Help us to unlearn those things. Lord, we are frail and we are broken. But Lord, you are not. You are strong and you are a rock and you are a fortress. And Lord God, you have great gifts, great spiritual gifts to impart to us. Great benefits to gain out of your kingdom, a fulfilled and abundant life. And Lord, we choose this morning to receive those things from you. So Lord God, come to us in our brokenness. Come to us in our brokenness. Heal our hearts. Cleanse our attitudes. And may we be who you want us to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, this morning if you want specific prayer, this is a time when maybe we, you know, we can pray for each other. You know, maybe if you feel comfortable, maybe you want to pray for the person next to you or the person in front of you. Or if you might want to say to somebody on the side of you, do you know what? Pray for me. I just need some prayer at the moment. Let's just do that for a few minutes, okay? If you feel that that's what something you want to do. I don't know. It's a bit very un-British, isn't it? All right? Very un-British. You know, praying for one another. I know it's embarrassing. Some of us embarrassing. If you're embarrassed, it's okay. But maybe an opportunity. If you want prayer specifically, if the prayer, if the prayer ministry team say want to go, you want to go to the back, and somebody wants to pray for you, then that would be good as well. But just let the Holy Spirit do His work here this morning. I don't know what to expect. I, I honestly really don't. I really don't know what to expect. But I just want the Holy Spirit to work.